0: Ladies and gentlemen, rebel scum and loyal to the Empire, this is Sith Talk, the show that talks all things Star Wars movies, Star Wars TV, Star Wars books, Star Wars comics. We talk a lot of Star Wars in a lot of different ways. Uh, I am your host, Zach Chrisman, aka, I almost said the Lady of Lore, (laughs) the Lord of Lore, and joining me is, is Lindsay, the Lady of Lore. I'm so thankful that she's back. Lindsay, it's so great to have normalcy and have you back again.
1: It feels good to be back here. I know I said it last week, but
0: man, oh man, do I mean it. I really, really miss this. I mean, it just it's one of those things sometimes where it's like, it's not that I don't, I mean, I always want to do sit talk, but like I get into habits and it's like once we're hot, I can keep the fires going. And then sometimes we just need to take breaks because I mean, life is busy and then like kind of once you get... (laughs) away from it, it's not like you're... you know. It's like going to the gym. You know you're going to go back. You're just like, hey, I got things going on, and I can't really add this to that right now.
1: Yeah, for me at least, though, this time around, it was like a very clear, there is nothing I can do to get my computer back. So once everything was kind of opened up again, and and I could log back on, you know, I don't want to use like my work computer for it. Um... But yeah, just having the desktop back, having the office back, it is so refreshing.
0: Yeah, so uh, with that being said, this is going to be the Star Wars Podcast Day episode, and on this, we're going to be talking uh, The Phantom Menace, um, a lot of about The Phantom Menace, which is a running theme on Clashing Sabers right now, Um but yeah, there. I, I want to speculate about the Empire thing, but upon recording, I feel like it's going to already be revealed um, by the time we release this.
1: But I know, but I feel like that's always fun, because then we can really just sound
0: like assholes. Yeah, let's sound, let's <laughs> we're sound gonna like We're going to be wrong.
1: You, you know we're going to be wrong, but we're going to say it with such confidence.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. So there was an announcement made um, on Thursday, which is today, that we're recording. That Empire basically posted hello there and then said what announcement tomorrow at four with
1: Friday? Yes. But the other issue is we think they mean four PM London time. It could oh. be Eastern, it could be Pacific, it could be London. So they said four, but they did not say who's four o'clock.
0: Huh, that is interesting.
1: So we might know by, you know, 11 o'clock, in your time in the morning, we might have to wait until 7 o'clock at night.
0: Yeah, that that might be one of those things. Um, I'm like completely caught off guard by this announcement. And if I were to i mean i honestly have no clue like the only thing that i can think of as far as a guess which our listeners you will know right now by the by the time this episode comes out you'll know exactly what it is um but the only thing that i can think of is like the mandalorian release date of 2026 i i can't think of anything else that they would talk about i mean it says hello there so what are they going to do are they going to announce kenobi season two Um, Which
1: would just be such a strange way for it to be announced through Empire Magazine. I know they obviously have have a great relationship with us and, and such good, rich history there. But when you think about what it is, I can't recall any announcement being made through Empire. I do know anytime there's movies or or new kind of exposés that need to come out of course we always rely on empire to deliver those but i don't think there's ever been a major breaking announcement so kenobi 2 yeah i know that obviously with hello there it's it's the easy choice i kind of think though just with the the formatting and maybe even with the kenobi of it all i wouldn't be surprised if this is just a really hyped up theatrical re-release of something
0: yeah yeah i i i I honestly like that's the only thing that i can see and just going through the articles it's just saying teases uh empire magazine teases something for star wars tomorrow like no everybody else is like what is this i i have no idea what this is um yeah it really
1: came out of nowhere
0: I hope it's something big and exciting. I mean, if, if it's just a a fucking release date or like some shots or something, I mean, I I don't know. The Hello there is interesting, but it also is like a Star Wars staple, so it could literally mean anything.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I I would maybe just right in the middle of something exciting and and something not. Maybe it's um They've done this with I for oh man I forget what they've done, but if they do like uh in certain theaters maybe they just rent out the theaters for a day and show the entire season of Kenobi.
0: Maybe I don't know That's which would the, be cool. Anti- yeah, but it's just the secrecy of it all. It's like why even announce it? Just say we're coming to theaters for Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, but on it's this just sled. it's just something where I don't know, man. There's there's so much else coming out now between acolyte and skeleton crew and and the mandalorian movie and and there's new video games coming out so it just seems weird that we would be so incredibly taken aback by some top secret project and have it be announced by empire
0: Look, if it's an Acolyte trailer, I'm there for it, but... (laughs) Oh,
1: God, yeah. Oh, that's... To me, that's... All right, so let's play this game. To me, that's the best-case scenario.
0: What's your best-case scenario? Um, shit. Within reason. Within reason. No, yeah, but within reason, based on everything we know, um... Oh, you know, I hate to agree with you, but probably the Acolyte trailer... I mean, okay, so to second your excitement, um... I guess the next best thing would be a interview with um, shoot, what is his name? Logan Logan. Uh, um, Marshfield. No. Logan director.
1: Yeah. Isn't it James Marshfield or something?
0: It's James uh, Mangold. There you go. You Mangold, there we go. I know, I'm acting like a dick. Who I'm is like, Marshfield? I don't know, I don't know who Marshfield is. Um, I mean like I guess the best case scenario that I could think of is that isn't that is like an interview with some of the directors of the future of star wars or like specifically james mangold and you know how his movie's going to like what what that looks like and that's the only other thing on on the top of my list that i can think about is like is that movie specifically
1: yeah no i get that i get that would definitely be a good best case scenario.
0: Yes, or, or some... So
1: I think I think either one of those would really have me freaking out all weekend and, and stopping everything I'm doing and focusing on that and, and canceling my plans for Friday night and, and diving in. Anything other than that, I don't know realistically how amped up this is gonna be.
0: Yeah, I mean if it's like another bad batch thing, it's like, you know, listen, I love Brandon. And Brandon, I know you're gonna listen to this it's gonna be really hard for me to go through and watch the bad batch I have never been not more or more not interested in a Star Wars thing I'm going to watch it but just like based on the terms that I have set for it that are probably unfair I'm just like not excited about the bad batch at all and I know
1: and- I know and we keep saying like what we kind of I feel like our hands are being forced to watch it eventually I just don't want to
0: yeah, and the the aside. they're making it more and more, and more the required.
1: Yeah, does it? It was you know I know we talked about it last week. I feel like it was kind of hard to tell where you were ending up on it. Why does it rub, rub you the wrong, wrong way?
0: Um, because Dark Disciple was so perfect, and mm. we're running into these these movie tropes that at this point are getting very exhausting. The 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 CW. Um, comic books like the mcu the fake death universes like i i just i i don't like i don't like that anymore i'm not interested as much as i love St- tony stark and iron man uh at the end of end game like he should be gone for good like it's gotta mean something these things mean something or well they used to and now they don't and i understand comic book you know people come back to life all the time i get that but that's still tropes that I don't like. Like I don't like um, devaluing what that death means. You know, we we have this Mm -hmm. thing where there's a levity to death and, and the only thing that I can think of the only show that did a wonderful job, even though everybody knew it was going to happen was game of Thrones. They got one, they got one and it, and Mm -hmm. there was a lot to it as to why and i i appreciate i think
1: that. because that felt like an unfinished story
0: yeah yeah um 100 percent but in a world like the game of thrones where the only thing that game of thrones tell you is that your favorite character could die at any point and that's it that is death it is done they're gone that that's the point and they they did it one time and it worked out perfect and I'm, it's just one of those things that it rubs me the wrong way these days. I am a comic book fan. I love Marvel. I love DC. Um, avid reader. But it's something that always bothered me. And it's not because I'm like, oh, I love death. No, I just think it should mean something.
1: That's, that's totally fair. That's totally
0: fair. Like what if they brought was... back Anakin? Like, yeah, wrote it all out. Like, came up with this, you know, um, smart story as to how Anakin could come back. Like, I, there's just certain things. It's like, dude, just leave it, leave it be. Like, th- I mean, that's one of the things. Like, what if they brought back Anakin Skywalker? I'm not saying that, they no, would.
1: I was, I wasn't sure if you were saying it rubs you the wrong way because of the the ventures of it all, or because. I don't love the bait and switch personally of here's this kid show and all of a sudden it becomes almost like required reading for the course. Right. It seems like they're making this show something where you have to sit through this show no matter how cringy it is to really understand the full scope of where star Wars is going.
0: Yeah. Like to be clear, I wish Asajj Ventress hadn't died. I, I, and when we talked about it last week about, um, asajj essentially coming back i did talk about what that could mean for the future of star wars like her like now that we're accepting that she is alive this could lead to different things that are cool story points but for me which i don't i didn't really voice clearly because i i didn't want to like brandon loves the show and we were it, it was it wasn't the right time um but you're starting on shaky ground Convince me why it's not shaking ground.
1: That's totally fair. That, okay, that all
0: makes sense. Cause I want um, more Asajj Ventress. I didn't want her to die in Dark Disciple. Like, I I found that that character was a um, a well written character um, when you when you think about her beginnings and you're getting you know this this bad guy this angry bad guy. rar Like, that's that's Asajj. But then you learn throughout time that there's so much more to She's it. She's
1: a great, deep, complex, multidimensional character. Through yes. and through.
0: That starts out as a girl And then she becomes something so much more. So had she not died in Dark Disciple, I would constantly be thinking about Asajj Ventress because she is very much, um, and this sounds very harsh, but it is a fact, in my opinion, but it's what makes her so fascinating. She is essentially the separatist trash that got left behind. Like, that is that mm-hmm. is what happened to her. She got chewed up and spit out. And I find that the way she dealt with all of that to be super fascinating. And when you go into things like Dark Disciple and her journey... um. That ending had a reason. Why are we drudging that up? Is it because we need to sell Bad Batch? Like, create a different Jedi. Create a create a new Jedi. Come up with some random ass Jedi that, you know, you know, throw in uh Kanan Jarrus at that point. Like Kanan comes in and for some random thing as a kid. Like you'll get the same pop, but like let's keep these characters honest to their authentic stories. That that's my only thing. No, I agree. And I, I I I can't argue. I, I love Sith Talk where we're like, yeah, we're talking the Phantom Menace, and then out of nowhere it's just a <laughs> But no, no. Like I I it's starting on shaky ground. Will I be able to accept it? We'll see. Regardless, because it's a I'll eat the spoonful of gravel if that's what it is. And I'll still be like, yeah, all right, well, since we're doing you, it, like...
1: You know, it makes it trickier that they're doing this and bringing back this character in a form, being the Bad Batch, that you and I don't love. So that's going to color it either way, right? If they brought Ventress back somehow in in Rebels or in Ahsoka, I think you and I would be pretty on board with it somehow, but that's because we trust those shows and we love those shows. Um, Bad batch, less so. It's going to be a
0: real uphill battle. No, I, I totally agree. But with that being said, let's <laughs> let's get into the Phantom Menace. Um, you know, like I said, a lot of Clashing Sabers is talking about the Phantom Menace, and everybody's got their viewpoints. Um, and full disclosure, I'm really going to try and not steer this into a whole uh, Qui-Gon discussion because I think that has been done in Clashing Sabers already um, during this whole release Um, but we will be touching on Qui-Gon when it comes to the Phantom Menace um, let's start from the beginning when you first saw it is there any memories about the movie what kind of movies or what kind of memories or thoughts do you still have about the Phantom Menace as a movie
1: oh man so
0: i mean it's the first
1: star wars movie i've ever seen it was figure 1999 i was nine years old and my mom was home it was uh the start of summer break so figure she had me my twin sister and my brother who's four years older than us so she's home with a 13 year old and two nine year olds trying to just find anything to do so we were in you know, a Star Wars family, you hear all these stories I'm so jealous of, of people who grew up watching Star Wars and their parents passed it down to them. I had never seen it. My mom just needs something for us to do. So she took us to the movies and I had never seen anything like that, right? I I was totally blown away. And I think that's why I can almost relate not, you know, 100% but in a way to those people who saw it in theaters in 1977 to just say, I have never seen anything like this. And I had never imagined anything like this. And of course, being nine years old, I thought the lightsabers were cool. I thought Jar Jar was funny. I thought all of these things that maybe irked some people the wrong way back then, I had no way of knowing that I was barely allowed on the internet, let alone part of the star Wars community. So for me, everything was new and fun and fresh. And then I'll spare you the story of, of going to my neighbors and him letting me borrow the uh, VHSs that night. Cause I feel like I've told it a million times on this show and on clatching sabers, but one memory I feel like I don't really talk about too often is maybe a week or so after I saw the movie for the first time, we went to kfc and they had a a toy for the kids meal that was like a rock'em bop'em sock'em robot thing of a gungan and a battle droid fighting and i don't know what kind of sparked that up a little bit more but that just got me hooked on all the toys right so that was my first it was sure you know a, a kid's meal but it was my first star wars toy And then my uncle at the time was working for Scholastica, so he heard I was into Star Wars now, so he started getting me all of the kids' books that were coming out that he was getting at work. And it was just one perfect thing after another that got me into the movies, then the toys, then the books, and just grew and grew and grew, but I just so vividly remember leaving the movie theater, and I can picture the movie theater when the lights came on and just being so upset it was over and just... I couldn't wait for it to come out on video so that I could just watch all those lightsaber fights, the lightsaber fights over and over and over, and I did.
0: Yeah, so I, I, I can't speak for certain um, if that was the first time I had seen a Star Wars movie, because I have weird, like, stacking memories that are kind of blurred together. Um, I feel like seeing that movie wasn't the first time I had heard what a Jedi was or knew what a Jedi was. But then again, I also don't know. Um, I was seven. I have a pretty good memory, and I I still remember actually going to the theater and watching *Phantom Menace*. It might—I mean, it could have been a core, like one of my first, like core memories. Um, because I—I'll I, never forget it. Um, one of the unsad, unrelated to the *Phantom Menace*. Was that night I had to throw up because I had so much uh, butter on my movie theater popcorn. <laughs> but before I threw up, uh, I I you know we this was at a time where you know my father wasn't financially like super set, and we were living at my uncle Dave's, um, and we didn't have money. I mean, it, it, we we probably did, but I was so excited when the movie was done that I took a cardboard box and I cut a double lightsaber out of cardboard and colored it so that I could play Darth Maul. Um, That's probably the most that's probably the thing I did immediately after that. But I I, I like what you said about toys because we'll get into some of the stuff of the movies, but as a child, I I was seven years old, maybe going closer to eight. um, But the toys for the phantom menace were probably so the best toys that star wars had ever been as far as oh so god as far as building on your imagination and the world that george created and um the details of the toys were were really well they weren't cheap cheaply made toys and you know i always i always go to the the star wars section when i go to you know like walmart or stuff like that just to see what they got and yes, they do have some of the Black Series stuff. That's really cool. But I find that a lot of the Disney toys right now, they're not what, what we got back in 1999. They're very much nah. like they're, they're cheaply made. And this is not, I'm not Fashion Disney. I'm just saying different time. Um, the lightsabers aren't what they used to be um, because specifically they used to come out with two different models if you wanted a Qui-Gon Jinn Obi-Wan Kenobi light up lightsaber you could get that or you can get these lightsabers that shut all the way to the handle mm-hmm. and then you could open them and then like flick them open that way
1: you know I still have a couple of those
0: I wish I did because I, I... still
1: have all my toys from, from that time
0: dude I wish I did um, part of the reason why I don't is because if if you grew up at that time, you know those things were like basically like like beating sticks. Like you could oh yeah, you could fucking oh yeah. No, destroy oh, so someone,
1: like and it was so much fun. Because like I said, my brother was thirteen, me and my twin were nine. So obviously he was always the bad bi- bad guy. We wanted to be the good guys. So he got the Darth Maul one, and I had Qui Gon Jinn. Cindy had Obi Wan Kenobi. So we actually would spend the summer in the backyard, just acting out as much as we could, but it really felt like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan against Darth Maul because it was that two against one mentality. It was so much fun, well, especially if, if you think like a 13 year old brother doesn't really want to hang out with his nine year old sisters. So to have something where all three of us could spend the summer kind of playing and enjoying and talking about, I feel like it, you know they're not super into Star Wars now. Um, my sister watches it my brother god bless him anytime a new movie comes out he always sets time aside for us to see it together and he loves it i like i joke all the time but he is probably the biggest fan of star wars i know with knowing the least about it just because of how much he loves it
0: he's along for the but ride when
1: he, he is and he gets so into it um But it's just something fun that kind of brought us together for a little bit. And it's not like, oh, my God, we, you know, all of a sudden flip of a switch became best friends and and everything changed and we stopped arguing for years. But I think it's part of the reason why now, like, my siblings are my best friends because we started right then to have that common ground and, and hang out together.
0: Yeah, and and one of the cool things about those lightsabers um, that I'm talking about, not the light up ones, I'm talking about the ones that were just a straight the collapsible up. ones. Yes, what's cool about those is when you would fight with those, if you were fighting hard enough, eventually the plastic would bruise. Yeah, it <laughs> would bruise like a very like white stretched color which made the blade look even freaking cooler. Yeah. Like as long as you didn't chip your finish on the actual hill, you were fine. And we used yeah. to, one of my uh, favorite things, which is unrelated to the Phantom Menace is, uh, my dad used to have this blow up pool in the back of our house and in the winter, he'd get rid of it. Um, and he wouldn't set it out until summer. So if it was spring or even winter, we'd have this circle of dead grass and in Hill oh. <laughs> Republic, um, number two, the Sith Lords, you would go on this Mandalorian planet and you're basically, one of the side missions was you had to fight other um, Mandalorians in a death circle. And because we had that circle, me and like a bunch of dudes would get together and just fight. Like, like everybody would stand around the circle, you versus you. And we would fight. And I, I remember getting like bruises welts from just getting smacked with that lightsaber too bad like those things were phenomenal but not even just like like the lightsabers um the first one i got was the qui-gon Jin one and they stopped doing it because obviously it kind of makes sense why they would you know have the buttons uh once you click it it stays on but the original qui-gon lightsaber if you let go of the button the light came off just like a lightsaber if you let go of that button, the light would go down. It was exactly like it was in the movie. Ah, oh, so cool! Yeah. So, so
1: Qui Gon was my first one too. Let's dive into this. I know we said we're not known and we're not going to make this a big why Qui Gon is so amazing. Even you know he is the best, but real quick, when you were a kid, nineteen ninety nine, seeing this for the first time. Was Qui-Gon your favorite? And as a little boy, not as big grown Lord of Lore who knows and loves Star Wars, but as a little kid, why was he your favorite?
0: So Qui-Gon... Yes, Qui-Gon was my favorite by far um, seeing that movie. And from a child's thoughts, not my thoughts, what not my current thoughts, what I liked about Qui-Gon was his ability to to listen to be loose as they say in jujitsu like he's very loose with what what's happening around him and just the wisdom. Like the man radiated wisdom. Mm-hmm. And you always wanted to know more about it. That was my initial thoughts. And I think it's funny in that movie which people, you know, kind of roll their eyes like I heard nobody can kill a Jedi you know, but it's like, that's how cool Jedi were when you were a kid. Like, who could kill a Jedi? Nobody could yeah. kill a
1: Jedi. And, you know, it's so funny you mentioned that line because there are lines like that in Phantom Menace where now you go back and you watch in comparison with the originals and, and everything that happened after. And that lines up so nicely with so many of the thoughts of, you know, the, the original trilogy and how it contradicts it. Because the original trilogy is all, you know, oh, the the space wizard, right? And they're extinct. And you, you don't feel like they were super revered. It seems like almost instantly they were truly forgotten about. And now we know why. Now we have those stories. Now we understand why. But to so clearly lay out that expectation of, Look, these aren't just some, you know, side, you know, cult or something like that. This isn't some fringe group. This is so heavy and well-respected and so large. And there's so many of them. So now to, as an adult, to go back and hear lines like that, it's so much bigger than than little nine-year-old us could have ever imagined.
0: And I also think that, you know, and I'm not saying I haven't rolled my eyes when I heard that line, depending on the time. Like, I, you know, if I'm just watching it and I'm like, nobody can kill a Jedi. I'm like, ah, shut up, Anakin, you dumb fuck. (laughs) Like, but in reality, that is kind of how the galaxy viewed them at that point. Like, the Jedi, nobody could take down a Jedi. And there were few, especially at that time before we had the content that we do now we're talking about phantom menace george lucas lucas film content if somebody was going after jedi or a jedi hunter they were fucking badass like nobody <laughs> did that shit nobody like nobody went after even in the own world nobody went after jedi um so when it comes to qui-gon yes i mean just a a wise leader and and to be honest with you like i was a kid Liam Neeson's voice is just so calming. When you're listening yeah. to him, Yeah, you know that there's purpose when he speaks. He speaks with purpose and he he felt like he was above the rest. And in that movie, you understand why Obi-Wan now has his, you know, defiance. But as a kid, I felt like, man, this guy's like 12 steps ahead of this his Padawan and and he just he he understood the flowing the the ever the ebb and flow of the force and i just as as a character trope of wise leader he was the perfect embodiment of it mm-hmm. um and you know i mean personally like as a kid long hair bearded looked wise looked badass looked medieval um and I love the green lightsaber. I, I I was always a fan of it. I've always been a fan of green lightsabers. For me, now I have a tendency towards yellow. Um, but as a kid, green lightsabers.
1: Yeah. Well, yellow wasn't really an option back then.
0: But, you know, and I'm glad it is now. Um, yeah. But when it comes to the movie, and jump in whenever you like, what I do appreciate about this movie now, I feel like this movie still has... Not the stigma it had 10 years ago. But it still is like, you know, when it comes to people who aren't a big fan of prequels, um, there's a lot of people that are like, yeah, I can do Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith's cool. Everything else sucks. Um, But I highly disagree. I've always thought that The Phantom Menace was a underrated movie. um, By far, because of what it does. Like Yes, there is the Jar Jar aspect of it that to somebody who didn't watch it young, I can see it seems wonky. It seems weird. There's some dialogue points with Anakin. But when we're talking about setting up the world and setting the tone, The Phantom Menace feels... Uh, I don't know how to describe it because so much more dark things happen in Revenge of the Sith. Oh, well, but it it's has not even... a darker feel to it, in a, in a sense. Like, you go to Coruscant, Coruscant feels weird, man. In The Phantom Menace, it feels intentionally like are, so. It's intense. It's yeah. very intense because you're not getting the uh attack of the clones. What the, you know, like the the traffic. Yeah. You're not actually like like you're just seeing it in the background. And that the world building of Coruscant, the government, the way uh this oh, universe this,
1: is. That's kind of the thing with this this movie though is Phantom Menace is more than A prequel it is set so far in advance of even the the prequels if you consider them attack of the clones and revenge of the sith those to me are prequels this is like a preface this is so far ahead and so removed this is truly something in and of itself it's almost easy to say hey there's not three trilogies there's two trilogies and then there's two prequels and a standalone.
0: Yeah, I I I almost wouldn't argue with that. Um, And, you know, a lot of people make jokes like, oh yeah, some will say George made it for the kids, which defends Anakin and Jar Jar, but then what the fuck are we talking about trade negotiations? And it's like, look, at the time, as a seven-year-old, all of that shit was fascinating to me. I don't know, I didn't know what the fuck trade negotiations were. I didn't know about any of that. But, it was it was a very cool concept, and I it hooked me with its fancy words and political. Jargon. Dude,
1: that's the thing. It's there, there's this line in Modern Family where uh, one of the dads wants to use big words to the the little kid, and the other one's like, "She doesn't know that word." And the the, the first guy goes, "Well, this is how she learns these words," <laughs> and I feel like it's it's kind of that thought of. Why put those in a kid movie? It's so, so you could learn that, right? It's not a bad thing to put in a kid's movie. That makes it sure more complex, but it doesn't make them lose interest. It doesn't make it a bad movie. It actually, I think, makes them smarter and makes them more inquisitive to say, hey, mom, hey, dad, what is this?
0: Yeah. And, and it, it really shows the, mind of george lucas and 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 the one thing you have to give lucas is and i'm not shitting on anything disney's done by saying this he really didn't like he did not create the newer version of star wars he he made a completely different movie which led to a lot of people being pissed off but he created a world that was much different than the world we see with han and leia and mm-hmm. and Chewbacca and Luke. And it was it like and this is why my memories fade. I or this is why my memories kind of collapse. Is because I feel like seeing that movie, my first thought seeing the council was wow, there's a lot of Jedi. There's a lot of Jedi. What are these guys? Like, yeah. like the Phantom Menace as a child is like going on the first on your first roller coaster. It really just sets the tone and it shows you where we're at in this world right now and it w- it had such a weird sci-fi yet media- medieval feel to it that it just it it c- completely consumed me. And we get used to the Phantom Menace because it's been around for so long. But for people who love it, they I, they understand like this this is a completely different world. Than the Empire versus the Rebellion, and as a child, it was so fascinating to learn how do these planets work, what is the political structures. Oh, we have a Chancellor, we have this, we have that. It's so much more richer than Empire versus Rebellion, and it's so more. It has a lot. Well, that's more a, you
1: understand why there is a rebellion so much more because it's really difficult, I think, to to watch the. Um, originals first, and you have the Empire and and the Rebellion, and and you know for some reason the Empire is bad and and the Rebellion is good, but you don't know why, right? We never really truly understand the evils of the Empire by strictly watching the movies and the movies alone. And part of that is because of the sci-fi and fantasy element of it, everything still looks pretty good right? Everything looks pretty cool. You don't understand that the uh, speeders that they're, they're going around on are these these put together and, and fucked up things. You don't get that because you're just thinking, that's really cool. I wonder if we'll ever get to that in our society. Yeah. It seems so futuristic. It seems so sleek. And, and it's really hard to get. But now that you have the comparison of hey here's coruscant here's naboo here's what things were like before the empire and the society that crumbled so i think it really just gives a lot more weight you know i don't think necessarily the the richness and the the color of it all takes away and it doesn't feel like it's oh my god it's not star wars it feels like oh this is what things were like i would hate the empire too
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, and when you're. It, it's just a vast different canvas. Like, um, it, it's not even that we're, we're. You know, I'm not building the Phantom Menace up because it's a topic of today's show, but really, I, I've always just felt that the Phantom Menace has so much more depth than. A lot of the Star Wars that we've been giving, as far as what it introduced and the stakes that it had to do uh, to do so, I still think, like when we we're, when we talk about um, like lightsaber fighting, the Darth Maul lightsaber fight, I think is still the best lightsaber fight in Star Wars. That's how I feel. Like oh, as far yeah. as scenery, yeah. music. I get
1: it doesn't necessarily have the the, the stakes. Um, yeah, the stakes of, of say Return of the Jedi. Or even the last of the Jedi. Yes. But yeah. Oh my God! That music alone makes it so tense and so good and just so fucking cool.
0: Yeah, and and like when it when when you when you think about that, like yeah, obviously, uh, Revenge of the Sith has you know so much more writing on that, and I think that's a great battle but when we're just talking about cool lightsaber action and the way it was shot, like balancing the Gungan war and what's going on inside the actual castle. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, um, the lightsaber fight itself, the sound effects in, um, I think the the sound effects in Phantom Menace is the best sound effects we've gotten in star Wars. Yes. Attack of the clones has the brown, but that was like one of them. When you go back and listen to that movie, or, or watch that movie and you hear the sounds of those lightsabers they are more intense than they have ever been they were dumbed down when it comes to attack of the clones and revenge of the sith because when you feel like when you hear those things beating on each other when qui-gon obi-wan and darth maul are fighting those things sound like they are ready to fucking destroy you especially like when you go to the scenes um I think it's one of the scenes where Padme's, you know, trying to break the windows, and they do that whole scene, and then it just comes in to Darth Maul swinging on him, like swinging on him out of nowhere, just jarring, electric fighting. When you listen to those lightsabers, they sound like engines ready to go. I mean, they just—it was, it was top notch, um, faster George. Like faster, I mean, I would better, even say the,
1: the generators in that scene alone yeah are I mean, just because it because it adds to the suspense, it adds to the thrill of it. those are sound effects that aren't just there to show you and tell you what's going on and to complete the scene. Those sound effects actually, I would say, in a way move the story forward and make you feel it,
0: yeah. And and that is um, another reason why the Phantom Menace is such an important movie. And I never thought that me and you would be talking about sound effects because I know a lot of people talk about it, and it's not something that I generally talk about. Um, I love movie scores, um, but I'm not like I would say like when it comes to a movie, I don't listen to or I don't watch a movie for the score per se um, or the sound effects. But when you look at even like Pod Racers, okay, cool. Um, mm. You could just have like a, a a sci-fi sounding engine, but George thought down to the engine, the engine's got to have a rub rumble. It's got to have futuristic. Sound not just to that It,
1: it, it was crazy. every pod pod racer has to, I almost said every podcast, happy podcast day everyone. Every pod racer has a different sound, not just a different look. There's a yes. different sound that goes with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely top notch on that front. Um let's go into the story. Like what what is one of the best story moments in the Phantom Menace for you?
1: Oh, easy. When Anakin has to leave his mom. Yeah. Okay, I've said it a few times now. I was 9 years old when I saw it. Anakin's 9 years old in the story. The thought of a 9-year-old having to leave their mom knowing that they're never going to see them again, as a 9-year-old, that hit me hard. As a 34-year-old, that still hits me hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I
1: uh Yeah, that's one that really sticks with me. Yeah,
0: that's a that's a pretty big story moment. Um and I I I always I always felt the sadness of like I, when when I saw that for the first time, I thought how could this kid become Darth Vader? Like how? Like rewatching knowing what I know now. W- the, the most jarring thing about that movie when you're a kid is Anakin himself. Like he's a great dude. Like he's a great kid loving. Like, how does this man become that? I did not know. Like this is times like when we were waiting for attack of the clones in my head, I'm like, how can this guy actually become this? Mm. And it's a great. It, it adds to the lesson. Like the people also forget the buildup of waiting in between those movies, and and thinking about that too. Like everybody goes to the Force Awakens, and then, like what's going to happen to Ray, because we were adults then when we were talking about that. But when it comes to Anakin, I. But then the was internet baffled. was so
1: much more widespread too, though. You know, you didn't have the the theorizing and the communities and the fan groups. Yeah, it was available. But it wasn't common. It still, in a way, had kind of a stigma to it almost, you know, as the safe. Yeah. But that, with that, it, it was very siloed, for better or worse. You know, I love having the community we have now, and I love being able to share ideas. But it was kind of fun just being there with, with just your friends, talking about it and trying to figure it out. And then when the internet did start to you know, do its thing a little bit more and more. I remember I would go down and, and I'd listen to my songs on Napster and I would look at those really shitty websites and see, okay, who was on set, what day, you know, did anyone in the press maybe sneak in the paparazzi sneak a picture? And that was pretty much it, but it wasn't this big whole, Oh my God, here's what I think is happening because this picture was, was released.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's like one, I think that's one of the most important things as a kid Um, When it comes to the entire prequels, I didn't really... I think I was young. Like, I had theories about how Anakin could turn by the time we got to Revenge of the Sith. Uh, You know, I was pretty sure he was going to burn in some kind of Mm. lava. Like, something like that was really going to mess him up. Which turned out to be true, but, I mean, like, who knows? Maybe I forgot that I had read Return of the Jedi when they actually talk about fire um, being a thing, like everybody speculated, but that was something that was written in that book, which, by the way, Return of the Jedi has one of the best Star Wars chapters in there, and it's the scene when Luke and, and Vader, when Luke unmasks Vader. That is one of the most beautifully written Star Wars chapters still to this day. I mean, the depth... The imaginative world of what Anakin's feeling through that time, um, I'll never forget, like, the sentence where he's like, an Obi-Wan, and then there's a comma, Obi-Wan. And then it talks about their times in space flying together. And it, sorry, that was random, but, like, it's just, it, it's, yeah, it, it's absolutely fucking phenomenal. Um, but with me, I actually haven't read the Phantom Menace novel. Have you?
1: I did like way back when I haven't as an
0: adult actually. So with my young mind, I didn't have speculation. And I think that's one of the best things about the Phantom Menace um, as, as a whole is the Phantom Menace to me is you are along for the ride and you're not guessing you're just here. You're in this world. You're You're experiencing the world and you're experiencing it. And everything that's given to you is freely given. Hey, um, High Republic joke, um, but I never really speculated. I was just always excited for the next yeah. thing. And my saddest moment, no surprise here, is when Qui Gon died. Um, that's,
1: that yeah, because totally I, I I yeah. I think that's probably ninety eight percent of of the actually not even just when he died. It was, like, the the burning of it.
0: Yeah. Um, I still tend to think about, like, truly deep thoughts, what would have happened had Qui-Gon lived. Like, that is something that, w- that will literally, until they give us a what if, I will continue thinking about all the differences that would happen. But it also makes me feel bad, because then it looks... It makes it like, oh yeah, step aside, Obi Wan, little boy, I can make yeah. this guy good. Um you know, and that's just not the case. I love what we got, but I tend to think like what would that world look like? I I truly go down the rabbit hole of Qui-Gon probably could have stopped all this from even being a thing. Um, just because of his defiance with the order, um and and showing that. And I think that's
1: so That's, I think, something most people would think. I would argue, though, potentially, could things have gotten worse because Qui-Gon would have wanted to train Anakin in his way and that would have created more friction with the the Council? Could it have led, potentially, to Qui-Gon and Anakin both leaving the Order over it? And could this have just expedited things?
0: Maybe. And probably but it would have probably led to Anakin being a good person in the end and not doing what he did. It doesn't I mean like yeah. it didn't have to mean leaving the order going dark side. It just meant differences of beliefs. But no and I, I also push back on Qui-Gon leaving the order because there's been so many there's been so many times in Star Wars novels, especially lately, where Qui-Gon is the voice of reason that the Jedi will not essentially agree with, but they love to have him there. They love to have him in the room. And they they kind of let... Qui-Gon's really like a marshal, man. Like, he's a marshal of the Jedi. He's one that they accept because they trust... They don't agree with him on things, but they also trust his instincts. And there's been so many good... So much good content with different various Jedis talking with Qui-Gon... And disagreeing, but having a respect on these disagreements. Yeah. Um, And that's one thing that makes, makes him truly stand out. Um,
1: I think of all the movies, of all nine movies that we have for the Skywalker saga. And again, this is just coming right off the, the tip of my tongue. So maybe if I sit and think about it, I'm just totally wrong. But because Of Qui-Gon because of the the Jedi Council and then knowing what we know now I do think that The Phantom Menace is the most improved movie because of um, supplement materials I think uh, so like it's you know I love Qui-Gon because of the books that I read when I was a kid I love the Jedi council and the Jedi order because of the books I read as a kid. And now when you get into things like master and apprentice or, um, Padawan, I think the relationships that we see in phantom menace, and even now with high Republic, seeing what the Jedi were and what they fell to by the time of the phantom menace, I think it adds a lot of complexity and a lot of layers to the Phantom Menace in ways that other movies, yes, the supplement material make them more interesting and better and, and maybe even more connected, but I don't think it elevates it the way Phantom, the Phantom Menace supplement materials do. Again, I could be wrong because I'm just thinking of it, um, but I, I'd be interested to really kind of sit and, and think about that and think about all the supplement material and, and how it changes what we know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there's many, uh, and yes, I would say the Phantom Menace has really become the place where a, a lot of Star Wars writers kind of tend to want to go because there is a lot of richness to that world and that time. Um, you know, to push back, I, I are on like the whole Qui-Gon leaving the order type thing. I don't think he would have ever left the order because now my train of thought has completely left me out of nowhere. I don't know why I'm forgetting the Qui-Gon thing that I was going to say. Uh, I don't know. I can't help you because I couldn't think you would. Oh, because because of the, I, I, the, the... Another thing that I push back is like I definitely think that losing Qui-Gon meant everything to Obi-Wan, to Anakin, and the Order itself. Qui-Gon was very much the last of the Jedi that were whispering, hey, we're too in- institutionalized. We need to stop mm-hmm. doing this. And that kind of led to them fully going into this one direction of just being all in and being suckered into this war. Had Qui-Gon, he is the catalyst for a lot of this to me. Yeah, His death for... is the, the bomb. It is the bomb.
1: For me, the thing I would have loved to have seen the most is... Qui-Gon with Ahsoka yeah that 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 to me would have been a big game changer and and I think almost a revolution in a sense
0: yeah I I was trying to find this um I was trying to find this paragraph in Age of the Republic uh comic that came out with Qui-Gon and Yoda and for some reason I can't blow it up. It's not letting me blow it up at all, which sucks because I really wanted to read it because it's super important to the actual like kind of where Qui-Gon stands with the Order. But I also like... um, Moving a little bit away from Qui-Gon before we wrap up, I also like the fact that Obi-Wan did start to stand and honor qui-gon that's that's a huge part of the movie that even though he didn't agree he honored his word and i love i like my second favorite scene is i will train him qui-gon's defiance i send it i sense in you it's like fuck yeah obi-wan finally go for it like going for it and it also shows obi-wan's dedication to and keeping his word and his honor. And it, it shows foreshadowing of holding a promise and doing what he says he's going to do many years later when he's stuck on a desert planet, guarding a kid. Guarding a kid. I'm going to honor my word. I'm going to do this. I'm going to stick to the plan.
1: No, you're that is a, a definitely you're right. That's definitely a scene that I remember having like a real, even as a kid, like emotional reaction to, not in a bad way, just in like a, you know, I was nine years old, so it was probably like, heck yeah, but now like, fuck yeah.
0: And, and and to add to some things, like, I also think this movie does a really good job, because we talked about, um, you know, nobody can kill a Jedi, I think some of this, I think this movie does a really good job at the characters actually asking the questions that you're thinking. Like, when Qui-Gon goes in and is defiant, like, no, this is bullshit, I'm gonna go do this. Obi-Wan's like, you know, you'd be on the council if you would just listen to them. Like, yeah. like you would be higher it's, uh,
1: up. It's called Hanging the Lantern in screenwriting. It's yeah. when you essentially point out, like, there's an issue with what you're doing and, and giving yourself the way to explain why you're doing it.
0: Yeah absolutely and
1: you being the screenwriter
0: and and let's uh you know we haven't mentioned it at all but you know this was the first time in movie canon that the sith were mentioned as the sith
1: you're right yeah
0: yeah and i remember as a kid what the fuck are those? That is the coolest name I've ever heard. And like I, the I Sith think... are still the coolest name. Like the like that's the thing with future Star Wars. How do you make something like the Nihil is very fucking cool. Like they've almost done it. Like the Nile is amazing, and it's their own. It's its own thing, and I respect that. The Sith, the name itself is just fucking sick. It's
1: the first time I can remember and partially because of the Sith. And then obviously when you've never seen a movie with Darth Vader and everyone around you is talking about, you can't believe Anakin becomes Darth Vader. There's a lot of questions that come up, you know, who's this shadowy figure? Why is this Senator important? This was the first time I remember as a kid leaving a movie and having so many questions. You know, up until that point I feel like it was just all Disney animated movies and that kind of I don't even want to say shit because it's not shit in a bad way. Um but those types of movies where as a kid you go you watch you enjoy it you ask your mom to get the cassette so you can sing it in the car. This was the first time at least that I can remember having a lot of deep burning questions that I felt absolutely had to be answered.
0: Yeah um yeah and what i what the the one thing that i wish um i could have been a ot person um and and watched for the first time is when they reveal the sith at last we will reveal ourselves Mm -hmm. because you got to think there wasn't much about who um vader and palpatine were like they, they like when it comes to the original trilogy, they they were just the people who took over. We didn't know that there was an opposite faction of the Jedi called the Sith, and there was all these these codes and conducts and the way they actually uh, have been around for a millennial it, or millennia millennia, not millennial. I'm a millennial. Um, but we didn't know any of the structures of that. Like, that relationship at all. We just knew that the empire, the Emperor had a grasp over Darth Vader, and it was because of the dark side. And then we learned, like, just getting into that, like, the Sith. At last we will reveal ourselves. The Sith had been uh, extinct for a millennia. Like, it, it just it offered so many questions as a kid. and And, and really, even later on after Attack of the Clones, like, Okay, and that's why I love uh, *Knight's Tale Republic* is because of uh, the Phantom Menace. Because the Sith have been extinct for over in a millennia. Well, guess what? In *Knight's Republic*, you get to go and see the Sith. You get to see what they were and who they were, and you get to explore all that. That's why I'm the Lord of the Lore is simply for that line alone. The the Sith have been gone for a millennia. What is that? I want to learn everything I know uh, or everything there is to know. About these ancient Sith, about the ancient Jedi, about the conflicts they had, and the wars they won and conquered. That movie, and uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm I'm rambling because I just I I love the questions that this movie really offers, and I've I've always whenever I go on a rewatch, and I I think I watch this one pretty often. Like I watch it a reasonable amount. Revenge of the St- Sith is still the most watched star Wars movie for me, um, that I can go in and watch anytime and be along for the ride. But Phantom Menace is a real close second.
1: Yeah, that's a great pick for me. I think it's actually attack of the clones. If I'm being honest. Um, yeah, I can't watch that anymore. For me, it's so heavily weighed to, to when I was younger. Um, as an adult. Yeah, I'm probably right there with you. Probably revenge of the Sith um but this is not a not a bad one to throw on when when you've got some time or even just you know background cleaning noise and and just remember i don't even want to say how good it was because you know as a film critic or whatever you could always make the argument maybe it's not the best film in the world but it's a great fucking movie and you just got to enjoy it. There's so much fun and so much nostalgia and so much set up in it. It's really unappreciated.
0: Yeah, and final thing about the Phantom Menace and I think it's it's one of the it's one of the the bigger things that we kind of forget cuz we're so used to this blockbuster Um, Marvel Thanos is a actual fake person CGI and he looks real what the fuck is that The Phantom Menace still holds up with all of its CGI with all of its graphics it still holds up and that was 1999 granted we were getting movies that were coming out in 2005 2006 that look nowhere near in comparison what that movie looked like
1: yeah, well, when you think what changed computer animation in movies, it's Mary Poppins, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones.
0: And maybe Wizard of Oz, but really all they did was just add color. Yeah. I'll give it to you. Yeah,
1: it. I wouldn't say that's computer. That's camera.
0: Yeah, that's camera. Whatever. Yeah. Give me on a technicality. Whatever. <laughs> but uh, Lindsay, any final thoughts on Phantom Menace?
1: If you can't find anything good to say about The Phantom Menace, you are just trying to be a curmudgeon.
0: Ooh, that was nice. My yeah, final that's, that's how I feel. The Phantom Menace. The, I would say my final thoughts on The Phantom Menace is go watch The Phantom Menace after listening to this podcast. Take in some of the things that we said, If you, especially if you don't like it, And truly think about the world that was given. If you hate Jar Jar, ignore him. But look at the plot points and the world building. Because The Phantom Menace built a universe that was separate from the first universe that George built. And yet was entirely built in and expansive. And in one movie made you question... Everything and feel like you belonged in this world. That's how I feel. Nice. I like it. All right, guys, with that being said, that was another episode of Sith Talk. Um, you can find Sith Talk at the Clashing Sabers podcast feed. Um, you can find me at Sith Talker25 talking all things not Star Wars because I hardly ever post Star Wars because I have this show. If you want to talk Star Wars with me, go to the Sith Talk Instagram. Um, page and we can talk about it. Tell me, no, fuck you. I don't like this. That's okay. Let me know. We'll talk about it, but also fuck you. Just kidding. You're great. (laughs) Um, Really just kidding on that one. Lindsay, why don't you tell us about all the awesome things we do at Clashing Sabers?
1: I would love to. So here at Clashing Sabers, we are more than just a podcasting network where you can get several fantastic Star Wars podcasts in your feed We are, first and foremost, a nonprofit organization. Our mission is to get these stories that we grew up with and we love and that shaped us into the hands of as many students across the country as we possibly can. How do we do that? We work with, hopefully, donors like you. And every single penny that we get goes towards putting books in school libraries and school classrooms all around the country. Um, we really, it's its not even just a, hey, here's one book. I mean, we fully stock these these boxes um, that go out. So really, we would obviously love if you could join our Patreon. Again, every penny we make goes towards this mission and, and helping literacy throughout the country. Um, if you can't donate monetarily, we totally understand. Best thing you can do is head over to clashingsabers.net And go to our refer teacher page. And if you know any schools or classrooms that would like some of these books, just let us know who they are and and we'll send some stuff
0: their way. And with that being said, guys, feel, don't think, use your instincts.